in this week's episode, we think we found the next big comic trend, which maybe possibly hopefully means we'll start getting less vampires. Please, pretty please. It's all happening now on Cover B. everybody welcome back to cover b welcome back to cover b your favorite podcast that has yet to piss off neil young how's everyone doing <laughs> we're holding strong in that realm <laughs> i think i'm we're sure in someday someday it'll happen who knows i don't know how neil feels about comic books but that's true i like to think we're still on good terms he might be a big rob liefeld fan <laughs> we may have already pissed him off that's true yeah <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another week of comics. This week was basically void of any number ones from like the bigger companies, the bigger True. presses. And apparently, Behemoth and Second Sight didn't get the memo because they just put out went ham like a million number ones. That said, none of the Second Sight ones really registered with us. We'll probably do some honorable mentions on those, but mm-hmm. we do have two from Behemoth. Uh, that we want to talk to yes. you guys about today. The first one uh, is called Until My Knuckles Bleed, number one, from Victor Santos. Uh, this is a story that follows a, speaking of Mr. Liefeld, a very, like, cliche Rob Liefeld 90s type character, mm-hmm. type super person. He's got, like, augmented armor grafted into his skin his name's like destroyer and he shoots a bunch of people he's got pouches everywhere (laughs) and um yeah he's part of a team of people similar to the early image age of things uh avengers team yeah but you know the edgy like yeah this one's got claws and this one shoots people and stuff yeah. like that kind of 90s hardcore we're all about edge and shoulder pads kind of thing <laughs> um <laughs> and we follow him in the modern day as he is now no longer a super person he has served his duty as a soldier for a government organization or whoever i don't know if they explicitly say yet who they were working for but he served his time as a super person and is now like many veterans, just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. And he's working as a bouncer at a strip club, and we're just kind of following him around and seeing his day-to-day life. T, what'd you think? I love the plot of this book. Mm-hmm. I think it's It's a really cool concept. It's a very it's, unique concept. It's a story about a soldier with PTSD dealing with his current life and all of the people uh, around him, the mm-hmm. fellow soldiers, including his ex-wife, mm-hmm. who were all soldiers and also have PTSD and are trying to figure out what to do with themselves in this current environment and how to, you know, be good people and still serve the the good fight, but you know, in a in Detroit, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's such a cool concept. It's such an interesting development of characters. Like, I love the development and the relationship between him and his ex-wife. Like, yeah. it, it's so organic and, it's and a, real. It's a fascinating kind of merger of two points in time when people looked at superheroes and were like, but we need more edge. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have that, like, early... Uh, early image period where McFarlane and 
Liefeld and all these people were jumping ship off of Marvel and going and creating their own teams over here. Meanwhile, at Marvel, you had like X-Force and Cable and all these other things happening in right. like the 80s and 90s. And it was all about edge. It was all about just edginess and stuff like that. And then meanwhile, in modern day, you know, we've commented on it a few times. We seem to have a big push going on right now for more edginess from superheroes, but less in the sense of like back in the 90s when it was like, what if superheroes put guns in pouches? And more nowadays, like, what if superheroes but mental health concerns and, you know, trying to make their way in a realistic world and stuff like that. And so it's like these two concepts of two different, it's like a portal in time of two different moments where kind of the general consensus among creators and audiences and stuff was exploring these ideas of like an edgier look at superheroes. Edge is thriving. But they're, you know, they're uniting in this story. Yeah. You know, because we do have that like 90s edge kind of thing going on. Um, But then we also have a more modern take on like how to make how to take an edgy look at superheroes how to take like a gritty look at superheroes so it's a really fascinating kind of juxtaposition of those two things yeah you know? there's also a scene in the book that i think is important to mention because it it speaks to the reality of things you know people see their favorite you know artists or writers or actors at comic cons and they think, oh, man, they're still doing great. Look at all this money they've probably got and how much money they're making, you know, doing this art and doing these things. And when, in fact, they're still just trying to make a living. They're just they're at this con because they're trying to survive. And there's a, a scene where he's at a con and speaking with a young person who's reading a comic about him that is highly inappropriate. And the young man shouldn't be reading it. And he's like, I'll sign your stuff, but you're a bad parent. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just so interesting because it speaks so many volumes, you know, it speaks Mm -hmm. to these people who are like kind of embarrassed about the stuff that's been written about them. He's, you know, at a con trying to make some money, you know, on the side from his strip club job. He's and like the interaction he has is he's kind of has been and washed up and these but like, you know, young kids still idolize them. And it's it's just this cool merger of all of these concepts that really speak to this exact like point in time this like weird idolization of superheroes but also the like but they're still people thing that we're really pushing right now so i just thought that was a really cool a cool scene yeah that particular scene reminded me of that uh zendaya video that's kind of floating around of her at a con (laughs) talking about euphoria stuff and this very small person's voice comes from the crowd just like um how is doing this any different than Disney stuff? And Zendaya's like, your parents did you wrong. (laughs) The look of horror on her face when she hears the voice and then registers what the voice means is like perfect. This book is cool. Uh, It is very, very cool. Victor Santos did an incredible job of this. It's a cool concept. Um, same creator that I believe did a book called Polar, which got made into a Netflix video or Netflix movie. Um, so hopefully maybe we'll get this one into one too. That'd be really, really cool. Right up their Uh, alley. The only real qualm I have is that there's some editorial stuff. I tried to see if this were, was something that was like published in a different language and then got translated over. Or if there was like a translation in the middle, there were some moments just where 
there's editorial things. There yes. should have been given a glance over by an editor, a more thorough glance over by an editor than I think it got. Because uh, there's just a few dialogue points that are a little shaky. Yeah, I agree. There's some instances where you can tell what they're trying to say, but it's kind of like they're using a similar word, but mm -hmm. not the right word for that scenario. And granted, there's a couple of Russian characters. I think the strip club man owner, manager owner, and one of the strippers is supposed to be speaking in a broken English. Right. Um, so that works for those particular parts. Uh, but there's just kind of some phrases and things like that that are a little clunky and a little kind of awkward. Yeah. Um, which happens in translations. Like, it's not the end of the world. I just think it really could have used another Passover by an editor. I agree. I think it didn't get the editorial love that it should have gotten. But otherwise, great concept, great art, really, really fun. Gives, like, you know, hardcore Sin City vibes at times. Yeah. Um, it's got a, I got a lot of love for this comic. I think it's really, really cool. I didn't go in expecting to like it that much. I'm not usually into comics that are about just like a big broody bald guy. I'm a small broody bald guy, so <laughs> I don't need big ones of me trying to tell me their story. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm it's kind of just a character design that I'm kind of turned off by immediately, but it works in this in this scenario, and it just it feels fun. I honestly feel like not this fun, could be but in... it feels exciting to keep up with. I feel like this could easily be like a Vin Diesel or a like Dwayne Johnson Avenue mm -hmm. piece, like easily because he's yeah. kind of like big, muscly, hard hard ass, but also like heart of gold and respects the strippers like they're real people. And yeah. like, it's, it's easily one of those types of things. Yeah. So for sure. So also from behemoth, we have a book called quad. This one specifically is called quad, uh, Tara and Elvis quad. It seems is going to be a new anthology series coming out of behemoth taking place in a post-apocalyptic world, uh, where, machines have just heightened performance they do a lot of uh a lot of the duties that we took for granted in the pre-world so mechanics are important ais are important uh things like viruses and cybersecurity are important lots of love on that but otherwise there's also mutants and civilizations built out of scrap and stuff like that all the typical that you'd expect from a post-apocalyptic world uh, this particular one is written by Eduardo Schall. Uh, it follows the eponymous Terra and Elvis, Terra being a mechanic. Um, it opens with a little kind of crawl talking about how important mechanics are in this world. Uh, and Elvis being her cat, which is awesome. Uh, they are tasked with a quote-unquote simple job of going out and getting uh, parts to repair some sort of like water pump or something mm -hmm. some sort of service thing and the job slowly 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 snowballs into something way more than what they expected uh this book stressed me out from the first panel <laughs> to the last panel because of, of the cat you can't introduce a cat in a post-apocalyptic world and not expect me to be stressed about it <laughs> Obviously, I'm rooting for Elvis from the get-go. I yeah. love you, Elvis. You're adorable. Team Elvis. Um, but I thought it was really cool. I liked the characters. I liked the world. It's a different kind of world. You know, we've got a lot of post-apocalyptic worlds popping up right now. Mm -hmm. That is 
that is the current shtick. It looks like it's gonna replace the the vampires and the the zombies before that. Yep. I think post-apocalyptic, you know, post-tech worlds is gonna be our next our it's, next yeah. shtick. So the way I'm referring to it is civil post-apocalyptic. Because it's always like it's a post-apocalypse, but we're following following somebody who's like a mechanic or an engineer or like a tradesperson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like so a it's, smuggler. Yeah. So it's it's not just like it's not just like post apocalypse and we're like not even we don't even really see smugglers as much. Yeah, we true. see like homebodies and like people with jobs. It's an occupational post apocalyptic yeah. trend that we have it's going weird. on. It's weird. They're not like soldiers, they're not like adventurers, they're not like treasure hunters. But it's, it's also like, not like so post apocalyptic that you're just trying to survive yeah. all of like walking like, dead or I something. Am, yeah. And, you know, 90% of them open this way. So, like, the first book will be them, like, scavenging stuff out of, like, an old piece of, like, an old building or an old piece of machinery, like yeah. a giant mech or something. And then flash forward and you find out that the reason they're scavenging is because they're very tech savvy and they're a mechanic and they work in this town and they repair stuff. And it's, like... It's always, like, several generations into the post-apocalypse. Yeah. So, it... Yes, this is definitely, <laughs> and that was something that honestly, like, almost instantly turned me away from this book. I'm glad I ended up reading it, but it, we are getting a lot of this, like, I'm just trying to make a living in the post-apocalypse. It's a lot of yellow. Kind of stories. I don't know what the deal is. Apparently, post-apocalyptic stuff, the sky's always yellow. Yeah. Not like sunshiny yellow, like... Pee-pee yellow. Yeah, but... like desert hazy smoggy yellow and yeah. i'm like okay cool <laughs> great but i did like this story i do like the characters i do like they set up a world without having to over narrate or over exposition it which you guys know i appreciate so it was nice you know i think the characters are interesting i love elvis justice for elvis, justice for elvis. <laughs> yeah i i i'm a sucker for an anthology and you know, we've had a good handful of horror anthologies coming out, but we don't see a lot of anthologies happening in other realms. True. And I think anthologies are great, especially this one seems like it's going to be stories written and drawn by different people as it mm -hmm. goes by, which would be cool. Um, I'm excited for anthologies that take place somewhere else. Like, let's get more anthologies. I agree. Anthologies are great for readers. They present the ability to kind of jump on and jump off whenever, you, you know, if you like the creator and the art in this particular book, you can dive on. If you don't, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. You know, it provides a lot of opportunity. Each individual book is its own sort of story, so you don't feel like you have to remember a story going week to week to week to week. As people who read ungodly amounts of comics it's nice to have one that doesn't feel like quite such a commitment exactly <laughs> so I'm, I'm here for anthologies i'd like to see more anthologies from different genres pop up so a sci-fi post-apocalyptic anthology sure hit me let's yeah. do it I'm, I'm here for it so this one's cool uh the story itself nothing exceptional it like t said the characters are good it's well written the dialogue is handled well and it introduces a lot of interesting kind of lore bits yeah for what the world is um it's cool i i'm probably going to continue picking this one up as long as the art and story kind of hangs on yeah in, i agree from book to book i would like so. to see a part two a part two i'd like to see a part two to tara and elvis's story i need to know you can't just leave me like that yeah mm. <laughs> uh spoilers <laughs> whoops <laughs> it's not what you think it's 
kind of out of left field, but it's 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 good. It's good. Good book. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, if you liked this episode and you want more, you can find all our previous episodes at CoverBePodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoverBePodcast. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. Yes. Get out there. Be kind to one another. That's right. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T. You know it. And you have been listening to, to Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody.